Oh, well, here we go again in God's word. Don't you just love it? <clears throat> you know, it's one thing about um, is having kids is you always got to feed them. You know, I got my two little ones with me for a couple of weeks, and yeah, if, if you want them to grow, right? But that's what God does to us. That's what our Heavenly Father does. Let's turn to Galatians, because that's where we are. We're in Galatians chapter 5 in your Bible. And um, we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to remove me. As Brother Josh prayed in our morning prayer, remove me and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, because I believe that <clears throat> chapter 5, uh, um, it's a good chapter in Galatians, but God has some stuff for us. He he, um, he has some instruction. He has some challenges for us. Um, because the people back then in Galatia, they were just like us. You know, different. They're going through the same thing. They had a Bob in the church, you know. And Dave. Oh, I don't know if they had a Dave. I don't know. They had everybody that's in, you know, that's out here in there. And they all had the same things going on. So we're going to see what he talked to them about and see what he says to us. God bless you, Chuck. I'm so glad to see you here, brother. Father, we thank you so much. Please remove me out of the way and just allow your word to just speak to our hearts as only you can do it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter 5. We were in chapter 4 last time. And the last that we um, talked, um, I talked about the importance of how we believe in Jesus. Okay? And what we believe in Jesus and how essential that is to either life or death. Very important. Paul ended chapter 4, if you remember, speaking about two covenants and how we are under the new covenant, all right, <clears throat> which was made possible only through the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, okay? Paul said, okay, that we Christians are not children under the Mosaic law, and that I was so glad. We're not children under the Mosaic law with all of its feasts, with all of its ordinances, with all of its requirements in order for us to be right with God or to have a relationship with God. Okay, so we're not under all of that stuff. And I ended uh, last time we met in Galatians uh, that I said, remember who you are in Christ. And remember how you got there. And I want to add today that if you started by grace through faith in Jesus, all right, and not of yourself, then you must continue and end in faith in Jesus and not of yourself. Okay? So you end the way that you began. Way too easy, right? <laughs> and so that was the idea in the heart of Paul speaking to the people. Okay, let's look at chapter 5, and let's look at verse 1, and we should be able to cover this chapter here, and we're coming to the end of the epistle. Beautiful epistle. So, Paul says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, he says in verse 1, stand fast fast with the idea of standing and continuing to stand 
in the earlier teachings that he taught them. Because if someone says, you stand fast, stand fast in what? Well, in what he had taught them before. So that's what he's trying to tell the people. So I ask us today, all right, how are we standing in faith? Don't, you don't have to answer there. but How are we standing in faith? Are, are we continuing to stand in the faith that we first believed? Or have we veered off the track? So Paul was very concerned. He's telling them to stand. He loves his people. Now notice here also he says he mentions liberty. Look at that word. He says liberty, right? Now, the liberty he's talking about here is that they were saved by grace through faith. And because they were saved that way, by grace through faith, what did it produce? It produced liberty. Very interesting. So, if that's how I was saved, I should have that freedom. But he's telling the people about this. Now, listen to this. Anything other than that, being saved that way, having that freedom by that result, by that process, anything other than that, Paul is telling his readers, you're in bondage. Did you see that? He says, if not, look at the end of verse 1. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So any other teaching, any other way of having a relationship with God, it says, he's saying that you are in bondage. And he tells them not to be entangled or to go back to bondage. Did you notice that? He says, again, he says, guys, don't go back to that. It's just going to put you into bondage is what he's saying. So, by the Mosaic law, okay, which is a yoke or something that's going to hold them to the law, right? The law, listen to this. If you're in the Mosaic law, he's talking to them about being in bondage, talking about being those things. Those things hold you to the Mosaic law. I got to do this, right? It doesn't give you freedom. So, so, the law will not hold you to God. It won't hold you to God. You want to stand firm in the Lord? You want a foundation in God? You want to make it through the toughest times of your life? The Lord's not going to do it. But that freedom in Christ is going to do it. And that's what the enemy doesn't want us to know. However, the readers here were being taught by false teaching. And we went over that. And they were teaching them about what? Remember that? Circumcision? Remember? All right, so they were teaching that circumcision and its relationship to the believer in Christ and to God, that that's how they had a relationship with God. That's how they had a, a right walking or standing with God was through the circumcision. So they were being taught that. So where does circumcision fit into these believers' lives, that they were being taught this by the false teachers, and how important is it to a believer's life to have a right relationship with God as far as circumcision? Hmm. Now, is what they were being taught about circumcision right or was it wrong? Well, we see that it was wrong, right? But let's look at verse 2 and 3 and come to the answers to those questions, okay? Let's leave verse 2. He goes on and says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you what? Nothing. 
Now notice where he says, I, Paul. Did you see that he says here? I, Paul. Well, who is Paul? Pharisee of Pharisees. Man, if anybody preached the circumcision when he was out and about as a Pharisee, it was Paul. If you ran into Paul and he wasn't, you know, at Saul at the time, boy, he would be teaching the law like left and right, and you would be in awe at how he would do it, right? Pharisees, that's what they were. He says here, he says, even, he says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you, okay, that if you become circumcised, he's telling his loving flock there, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Look at verse 3. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So, to be circumcised in order to be made right with God and to have a right relationship with God, he's telling them, profits you absolutely nothing. Do you want profit as a Christian? Do you want your Christian your relationship with God to grow? How many here want their relationship with God to grow? I know I do. I don't want to stay. I want to profit in my, my relationship with God. He's telling these guys, hey, I hear what they're saying to you about do, 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 do. Well, specifically circumcision. He says, if you do that, what's it going to profit you? It's going to get you any close? No. Look, let me, Paul, the one that used to, he says, I used to, I was out there doing it. But let me tell you what it's going to profit you. Absolutely nothing. Wow, I think that takes a wind out of some of those people's sales that we know about, right, Josh? Okay, so now, he goes on to explain this very simply. Listen, in, it is a fact, okay, got it, if it is a fact, and it is that there are hundreds of Mosaic laws in the Old Testament. Did you know that? 600 and what? 30 or something like that? I mean, you go through all the laws in the Old Testament, count them up, there's hundreds of them. Now listen to this. If you choose one law, circumcision or whatever, to follow in order to be right with God, in order to have a relationship with God, and you choose that one law, I'm going to wear the tassels or whatever it is. And this is what I'm going to do. Listen to this. He says this. You will have to keep over 600 laws in order for you, okay, to meet the requirement, and you can't do it, okay? He says you would be a debtor to the whole law if you all of a sudden say to yourself, I want to keep something like circumcision in order to be right with God. Well, you do, Dave. Well, guess what? Now you've got to keep all of them. Huh. I think that that might have been a wake-up call for some of them. So, what is the condition of a wannabe Christian who is trying to keep the law, and we run into some from now and then, what is, what is the condition of this type of a person in order, okay, to have a right relationship with God? Look at verse 4. This is the condition of a person a wannabe Christian, keeping the law to be right with God. This is their condition, verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Wait a minute. 
Paul's readers, these Christians here, if they are trying to keep the law and then stand before God and justify themselves, look what I did for you, Lord, he says, he says, Paul, they're estranged. Hmm, interesting. He says they have severed themselves from Christ. They have fallen from grace. Interesting. Paul is teaching that a Christian can't fall from grace. That might be a shock to some of us. A Christian can fall from grace. Huh. Now, a Christian can start out in grace, doing fine with the Lord, through faith in Jesus, and then fall from grace and get entangled in trying to keep the law. Now, if they're born again, if they're saved, they're in the hand of the Father. No one can pluck you out. Total security, 100%. Yet there's no issues there. However, he's saying to the flock, guys, if you have now went the other way, you're getting entangled, estranged, and fallen from grace. Not a place that Christians need to go. Now, if these particular readers that are listening to this here, okay, are not Christians, they're not truly born again, and they're trying to keep the law to be made right with God, okay, if they don't come through, okay, if they don't come through faith, when they die, guess what happens to them? If they're not true born-again Christians and they're sitting in the flock there as, as Paul is talking to them because you have those that are saved and those that are not saved. But let's say there's some that are not saved and they're doing the circumcision. Guess what happens when they pass this earth? They stand before Almighty God as judge and they're accountable for every single one of the sins that they have committed in their life. And they don't have enough money in the bank to pay their way out of hell, bottom line. That's why God came to provide salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God, simply because he's done it all, amen, and we don't need to do anything else. So Paul is lovingly trying to talk to them about this and explain to them how it works. Very simple, right? So what is the condition of a truly born-again Christian who is living by faith? Okay? And not works. What is the condition of this person? Can I recognize that person? Is this me? Look at verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but Faith working through love. And you got to remember that faith works, guys. Faith works. Okay? So this is the condition of the Christian, okay, that is walking with the Lord because faith works. All right? Verse 7. Let's read verse 7. We're going to read down to verse 10. So here is Paul speaking here to his flock over there in the, the region of Galatia. Verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, 
that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Who the he is, we don't know. But as we look into God's word, guys, there seems to be changes that we must make in our lives. You look into God's word, you look at yourself, if you don't measure up or you don't match or you're not following after what you're reading, you make changes in your life, right? So, okay, I need to go this way, right? You stick to God's word. Don't ever let anybody else try to hinder your walk. Who hindered you, he says to them, right? Don't let anybody hinder your walk by giving you some other type of method by which to change your life other than what the word of God says. So if God says faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God, oh, I need faith. How many here need faith? I need to hear the word of God. Oh, no, but if you just show up at church here every day at 11 o'clock and pray for one hour, you'll get more faith. Or if you do wear these tassels, all right, you'll get more faith. Or if you do go to circumcision, you get more faith. No, I'm not going that way, okay? So <laughs> what we have to remember is to stick to God's written word and deny anything else that is contrary to God's word. Just deny it. And you're going to hear stuff that's totally different than what the Bible says. But you go with what God's word says, and that's the way that's going to strengthen your walk with the Lord. He said also here, notice he says here, he who troubles you shall bear his judgment. I don't know who these guys were coming into the church over there doing this, but I would not want to be on their side. Look, God is loving. He is good and he is kind, merciful, long-suffering. Believe me, I'll tell you. But when you read the word of God, you read your Manassas and you read your other people and you say, God, I don't know how you put up with this guy or this gal for so long. You're so good and loving. On the other side, God is no joke. He's holy. He's just. He's fair. And he's the one that says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So this guy here, or guys, I would not want to be on their side. Let's look at verse 11. And we'll read down to verse 12. Verse 11 says, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? He's saying, if I still preach. So he used to preach it. Got it. We know that. He says, but if I still preach it, he says, why do I still suffer persecution? So Paul was suffering persecution as he's out there, you know, teaching the gospel. Living his life for the Lord. He's suffering persecution. Well, who's he suffering persecution from? Uh, the Jews and, and others and anyone else that didn't like him. But pretty much specifically here to those that are teaching the opposite of what he's teaching. They're persecuting them. So he says, if I was still doing that, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. So the cross is an offense? The cross can be an offense to what you are teaching and what you believe and what you hold as what you're standing on. The cross can be and will be an offense to many. To us, it's a, it's a joy. It's a strength, right, what he has done on the cross. 
But when Paul was coming against these guys, they weren't about the cross. What were they about? Hey, you got to do. So Paul, in, in, in his tour around the world, in his area of the world, preaching the gospel, came up against persecution. And all of a sudden, what was his persecution for? It was for the sake of the gospel. He wasn't preaching circumcision. Matter of fact, he wasn't even mentioning being circumcised to have a right relationship with God. He was preaching liberty in Christ, grace, right, through faith. That's what he was preaching. And he was the one that got in trouble for it. Look at verse 12. I could wish, listen to this, I could wish that those who trouble you, okay, so now he's back referring to the ones that are troubling them, that they would even cut themselves off. Now, Yes, he was suffering persecution. He taught the truth of the gospel. Paul was. But he had a personal opinion about what should happen to these false teachers, the ones that would teach and circumcise to his flock, the people that he taught and he started these churches, right? Look what his opinion is. His, he says that he had wished that they would be fully castrated, not just circumcised, fully castrate themselves. You know, back in Paul's day, there were these, uh, they were called the Roman priests, chill, C-H-I-L-L, religion, whatever it was, and these priests actually did that. They would totally castrate themselves, as far as the priests, to show their, I guess, priestly position or whatever it is in their people. And Paul says, you know what? You coming into the church teaching this, you, you, need, you need to just totally castrate yourself off. That's how, that was his personal opinion of these guys. There's no profit in what they were teaching. Amazing, isn't it? Paul, wow. Okay, let's look at verse 13. <laughs> he says, for you, brethren, you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but... Through love, serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you consume, be consumed by one another. Wow, that little leaven does leaven the whole lump, doesn't it? Now, Paul points out that these Christians here are called to liberty. All right, he's telling them, you were called to liberty or freedom in Christ. Freedom from what? What do you have freedom to do? You know, you and I have been called to liberty, to freedom. But what do you got freedom to do? Guess what I got freedom to do? Freedom to say no to sin, which is the freedom I never had before. Freedom to say no to circumcision. Freedom to say no to doing what it is that had me all tied up before. I don't know about you guys if you remember, you know, your sinful days and sin came knocking on your door. You said, hello, come on in, and off you went. You had no power to say no. But then when you became a born-again Christian, something in you said, hey, that temptation is still there, but guess what? Uh-uh, I'm not going that road. Nope, I'm not going down that path. Where'd that power come from? You have been called, you and I have been called 
to liberty. However, he says, however, know that they are free, but do not indulge in the flesh. All right, we're free, but we're not to indulge in the flesh, in the flesh's desires. Look what it says there again. Let's read that one more time. For all, the, excuse me, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. And verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, the freedom that we have, we do not indulge in the flesh or in its desires. So now that I'm free, I don't have to watch pornography. Now that I'm free, I don't have to steal. Now that I'm free, Merla, I don't have to lie. Now that to get ahead, now that I'm free, I don't have to do those things. Oh, before, yeah, I man, I was bound in all of that. But not anymore. Not anymore. I'm set free. But I'm not using it, okay, as a license, all right? Now, notice how Paul says, okay, Paul wanted them to love and serve one another. Did you catch that? He says right here, but through love, the end of 13, but through love, serve one another. Oh, serving one another is really easy, isn't it? Isn't it, not, isn't it easy, Dave, just to serve everybody, you know, especially the troubled ones like me, right? So easy to trouble, you know, to serve people? No. But out of love, he's telling them, guys, look, your mind is on all of this other stuff of doing and circumcision and all of this. Let me bring your mind back to where it needs to be. And you know where it needs to be? Right here. He says, through love, serve one another. Now, the ways that Paul's hearers here that we're looking at uh, are to walk. We're going to look at that in verse uh, uh, 16 in a minute. However, I want to mention this in verse 14. For all the law, so everything that people want to do to get right with God, everything that people want to do in order to have a relationship with God, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor, and we ask ourselves that same question, who is my neighbor? Can I pick and choose who my neighbor is? Now, I know all of you love me here, right? Everyone, no, you don't. So you, didn't, you, you can't choose, I am your neighbor. So Todd, no, I'm just kidding. So, you, you know, so we don't pick and choose our neighbors. But guess what? You want to fulfill the law? You want to get your mind back on track? It says it right here. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Man. Oh, I just got to think about that one for a few hundred years and see what happens there. But that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, let's look at verse 16. Moving right along. <clears throat> And um, the, what we're going to read here is the way that, that Paul's hearers, and they're listening to this epistle, he, you know, they're reading this epistle in the churches, and here is how they should be walking. He says, okay, guys, this is all going on, all right, got it, got it, got it, but this is how you should be walking. This is where I want you. And you know what? This is exactly where we should be too. When we read verse 16 through 18, this is exactly where we should be. Let's look at that together. 
He says, I say then, <laughs> I like Paul, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another's soul, that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He keeps bringing them out of the law, away from the law. But notice something very interesting. You got to notice this. Notice how the flesh has its own lusts and desires. Did you notice that? In verse 16, look what it says. Fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the flesh has its own desires and lusts. And what does it do? It tempts us to do life's its way. So let me say, wait a minute, let me say this. Here's the flesh. I got, that's me, right? Rich. It has its own lusts and desires? Yes, it does. And it comes to tempt me to say, go this way? Yes, it does. That's what it does, right? Our flesh is a battleground, and it's always at war. It doesn't even sleep. <laughs> well, kind of, but it doesn't. Okay, our flesh is a battleground, and it's always at war with God, and it's always at war with us. And the reason why it's at war with us is because we're on God's side. Isn't that beautiful? So if you're warring with your flesh not to do what the flesh does, you're on the right side. If you're not warring with your flesh and you're going that way, we need to be brought back to where we get back at war with the flesh. Okay, so... If you walk in the law, think about this. This is what he's saying to them. If you walk in the law, guys, he's telling them, you are going to be walking in the flesh. Think about that. So everybody walking around talking about you need to do, do, do to get to God. You need to do this. You need to do that. You're actually walking in the flesh. That's what you're doing. No, 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 no. I got to say my prayer Light my candle. Walk my two miles. I got to be circumcised. I got to grow a beard. I got to do all the stuff. You're walking in the flesh. That's what that is. Now, this is what the flesh does. This is what the flesh does. You got to get this. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. Therefore, do not let sin, we can do it, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Romans 6, 12. Look at that. Did you see that? You see how that all goes together? Okay, he's telling me, I got this issue. I'm at war. All right, my flesh is doing I, Lord, you know I, I stumbled yesterday. Shouldn't have said what I said. Forgive me, Father. I'm so sorry. Give me a good attitude because you know I got issues, Lord. And all of a sudden, the Lord comes on the scene, gives you a good attitude, points you in the right direction. You go to Josh, say, I'm sorry, brother. Didn't mean to do that to you. So what, it was three times in one day, but yet he's supposed to forgive me? 
<laughs> but see what the Lord does. Okay, so the flesh, right? So I'm warring against it. Don't let it. Don't let it. You mean I got the power not to? Yes. You got the power not to. Lord, I need your help. Don't, you, you know my attitude. You know how I am. Please minister to me. I'm not like Kathy and Chris. I'm not perfect. Help me. <laughs> help me, Lord. And the Lord steps in and he helps you. And you ended up saying to the, to the flesh and its desires, see ya. See ya. Now, he says walk in the spirit, right? That means walk with your eyes closed. Ooh, no, no. Walk in the spirit. Now, we walk not by our spirit, guys. We don't walk by our spirit. When he says spirit, is that spirit capitalized? Yes. Whose spirit? God's spirit. What's the characteristics of God's spirit? Holy. So, we walk in the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. So what is the result of that? What is the product of that from my life from doing that with the Holy Spirit? Holy. So by me walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what produces from my life, what fruits come from my life should be holy. And if it's anything other than holy, it's of the flesh. And it's not of God. You see that? He's telling these guys. He's telling, he's telling us too. Right? He's telling us too. So, if you know that you are walking in an unholy way, and you are walking in the flesh, it's going to lead to death. And i got to say that again. If you know, and I've been there, Still fighting these things, Dave. And you know you're walking in an unholy way. You know it. I, you just know it. You're walking in the flesh. It's going to lead to death. Now, if you keep that in your mind, I believe, it has for me, it's going to help you when you run into these things each and every day that this trying to tempt you. Just say to yourself, if I do that, that leads to death. I don't want to go that way. But I like it. It's going to lead to death. Sorry. But it tastes good. It's going to kill you. But I'm thirsty to offering it. It's going to kill you. Seriously. If you look at the things that, that you know is unholy, you know is wrong, got to say to yourself, I'm walking in the flesh. And just don't stop there. Say, it's going to lead to death. Not a good idea. How does that carry over to our life? Kids. Marriage, friends, relationships, job in Japan. All of these things, everything carries over. And, and, and if it is unholy in the flesh, ah, man, it's just going to lead to death. So what is going to help lead to life? Doing what is holy and right. But I don't see it working out that way. Ah, don't worry about it. Tax time comes, Dave. Don't put the decimal point in the wrong place. When you pay your taxes, put it right where it needs to be. But if I put it to the right, I'll get so much more back. No, 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 no. It's going to lead to death. Ah, done. I'm going to put that decimal point right where I need it to be. And trust the Lord with all of your heart. Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. Okay, walking in the Holy Spirit is a holy way of doing 
life. Walking in the Spirit is the holy way of doing life. Now, Paul does not want his flock there to have any misunderstanding as to the works of the flesh. He didn't stop with that, and, he, and we're not going to stop with that. We're going to keep reading this chapter. And he lists, believe it or not, 17 works of the flesh. I counted them. He, he lists 17. There's more, but he lists 17. So before we read these, though, guys, I want you to notice something. Before we read these, notice Paul's conclusion on those who practice these 17 plus things and those that are living that way. Let's jump to verse 21 before we read them. He says, those who practice such things, that's the end of that verse, though, of verse 21, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Huh. Now I got to think about this for a minute. I'm going to read these, but I want to think about this. So those that are habitually living this lifestyle that we're going to read about, there's no qualms in their heart about it. It's the way I live my life. I'll just go get circumcised. <laughs> I don't know, or whatever. I'll be okay. But those that live this life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he says. That's what he says, right? Okay. Let's read them. Let's read them. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, so now these things are apparent. They're evident in the life of, the per of this person, which are adultery hmm, or immorality, right? Impurity. I'm going to read this from the New American Standard. You follow along with me with the New King James or your, or your King James or whatever you have there. But I'm going to read this to your ears. I, I, I'm going to do that, uh, the New American Standard, because I, I wrote this out for a reason. Look at verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality or adultery, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, ouch, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow. I said before, God is no joke. And God is no joke. And I'll tell you that by experience. Yeah, he loves us. He cares about his church. But those that are calling on the name of God, preaching from the pulpits or whatever else they're doing and manipulating people within the, the pews to do who knows what and then say God to it or put the Lord to it and laugh probably about their sin and what they've taken and what, I don't know what else they're doing. God is no joke. And eternity is a very long time. <laughs> a very long time. 
Verse 22. But the fruit, now, no Mosaic law can produce what we're going to read about this life style. Okay? No Mosaic law can produce such a lifestyle that we're going to read about. This is all through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the works of man. You just saw the works of the, you saw what man's works produce. Let's look at verse 22 and see what God produces. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Now, wait a minute. I got to stop there. Doesn't it bring a little bit of solace to your heart when you read this? Okay, you and I need peace. That's what it produces, right? Peace. All right. If I was selling peace to the world for $9.99... I think I'd be a rich man by the end of the day. You could come work for me. <clears throat> However, in the toughest times of your life, the most difficult mistakes that you might make, that you might be recovering from, or your way back to God, or the difficulties of things that just surround you, that are dragging you to the darkest places you have never been before, and you don't know how you're going to get out. And I'm telling you, especially in the middle of the night, that is the worst time, and I don't know how I'm going to make it through another hour. Where all of a sudden God comes with this peace that passes all understanding. And before you know it, the sun rises and you're making it through another day, stronger for it. You tell me, how much would you pay for that? How much would you give for that? But yet we get it, right? The Lord does. He comes through. I'm going to tell you, he does. And so when you say, I gave my tithes today of X amount of dollars, and God, what are you going to give me back? Think about that day and where he brought you through. And there's no price on that. That's how much God loves you. You are the apple of his eye. You're the one that he loves so much. You're the one that he sent his son for. You're the one that he sees when you cry or, or when you're, whatever it is you go through. He knows the difficulties of your life. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what your fears are. He's telling the church here, guys, look, you don't need this other stuff. You don't need circumcision. You don't need laws. You don't need this. You don't need the Mosaic law. You don't need none of that stuff. I'm going to tell you what's going to keep you strong in standing. That's what he's talking about, standing. And continue to stand in these things. I love it. I got to close. I'm one minute over. And those who are Christ, verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We have. And if we live in the Spirit, that's where we live in, guys. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Paul makes an observation about true Christians in this verse. Simply put, 
Who is in the driver's seat in your life? When you're confronted by pornography, thievery, lying, backbiting, stealing, whatever, who's in the driver's seat of your life? So if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So we Christians have a responsibility to yield to the Holy Spirit within us and walk accordingly. We do have that responsibility to walk in his way and to live verse 26. So if we can come away from all of this with just one thing today, just one thing, guys, forget everything else, right? Remember this one thing? Our walk must be holy and it must be led by the Holy Spirit. We must be sold out and committed to Christ every day, no matter what. And don't let anybody else lead you astray. Amen? Let's pray. Father, once again, we finished a few verses in this chapter. Your word is spoken to our hearts. I know it's spoken to mine. And I know I'm stronger for it. I know that the family is too. I would pray right now that you would take this word and solidify it, weld it, weld it to our minds and our hearts so that, Lord, this is the way we live. This is the way that we react. Lord, there's a great love for the people that are in the sound of my voice right now. I know it, a great love, but you got it. So I pray strength for us. Help us, Father, as we continue to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.